0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. And I'm excited for what's about to happen. So uh, yeah, together, let's uh, let's get into the Word of God, shall we? We're going to look this morning at um, Luke chapter 5. If you've got a Bible with you, can I encourage you to uh, get it out and to open it? Um, Luke chapter 5. If you haven't got a Bible with you, can I encourage you for more to start bringing one? It's uh, just a you know, brilliant thing to do. We're coming to church, let's bring a Bible. Um, but yeah, however you've, whatever, on your phone, in your, the flesh, whatever you do, um, if you've got a Bible with you, then great. Luke chapter 5, I'm just going to get straight into um, reading this morning. So it's, it's the passage um, in Scripture where Jesus is calling his first disciples, and we're going to read verse 1 to verse 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Prayed already this morning, just very briefly, but I'm just going to ask that we just pray again. I really just, I feel like there's a word um, in here for us this morning. Obviously, there is. It's the Bible. Um, and I just, yeah, I just want to pray that, Lord Jesus, my words this morning would be your words, Father, that you would intervene between my mouth and everyone's ears, Father, so that you would have a word for everybody this morning, Lord Jesus. I believe that there is something that you want to say to us this morning. And so I pray, Jesus, for more of you and less of me now as we get into this passage. Lord God, I just pray that you would speak. We invite you to speak to us this morning, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. So this is a, a passage, and it's, um, as I said, right from the beginning of, um, or near the beginning of Luke, where Jesus is calling his first disciples, and it's the start of his ministry. And, and yes, this story is about kind of what Jesus did and how he called his first disciples, but when I read back through it, and when I kind of started looking at this, Actually, there's a few kind of things in here that we can learn. There's, there's some guidance in here for not just what Jesus did and how he called them, but how he chose his disciples. It almost reads like these events are a bit of a test for Simon. That Jesus kind of tries him out a little bit, and and as Simon kind of passes these tests, Jesus is like, great, cool, you're in the gang, come and join me. And, uh, And I want to dig into that a little bit this morning, because for all of us, for all of us this morning, Jesus has invited us to partner with him. Jesus has invited us to fish with him. And, and this story and how um, Simon Simon Peter responds to Jesus here gives us a little bit of a guidance, a little bit of advice, a little bit of help for how we can do that in our lives. How do we live lives that look like this? How do we fish with Jesus, figuratively speaking? So the title this morning is Fishing with Jesus. It's not going to be up there because it's not, but... <laughs> But we're looking at that kind of how do we do that? How do we live lives alongside Jesus in a ministry that is fruitful with him? And there are a few things this morning that I want to pull out of this passage. Um, I tried to kind of break it into three because that's, you know, that's what we do. It doesn't quite fit. So we'll just go kind of, it's loosely speaking, it's three things. But we're going to just burrow off into little rabbit holes along the way. Um, But the first one, if we look at verse three, verse three, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So at this point, Jesus is preaching. There's a bit of a crowd, and he needs to be seen and heard more clearly. And so to do that, he gets into Simon's boat. Why not? you back a little away from the shore. Sound carries nicely over water. Lovely. Simon has just been... Out fishing. He's come back from a completely fruitless, frustrating night's fishing, and he's tidying up, and he's washing his net, and he's kind of wrapping up his day, um, and kind of cleaning up and sorting things out. And he could have reacted in any way that he chose. He could have, you know, I'd have forgiven him for for responding in in any number of ways. He could well have said, look, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've just just got in, and I'm tidying up. Can you you come back later? We're going out again tonight. Come back then. Bring everybody, and before we go, we'll put out in the boat, and like, that'll suit me nicely. We'll do that. He could have just said, no, I'm, I've, Jesus, I'm tired. Not now. Like I, there's another boat there. Ask them, but I'm, I'm kind of done for the day. He could have just outright said, Jesus, that's my boat. Get out of my boat. You're trespassing. But he didn't. He didn't do that regardless of his circumstances and the night that he'd had and how he was feeling and how encouraged or discouraged he was by what had happened. He made himself available with the resources that he had to serve Jesus. And what's interesting to me in this story is that he actually wasn't, um, you know, he's kind of described as being almost separate to part of the crowd. There's this crowd that's gathered to listen to Jesus. And then there's Simon and the gang who are washing their nets. And it it almost seems like he's not not part of that crowd. He's just doing his thing. He's just doing his job. But in spite of that, he is available. And, And one of the first things that that this kind of led me to think about is is just the time that we spend with jesus and the time we spend listening to jesus i don't know how easy you find it to just listen to jesus for some of us maybe that comes really easily For some of us maybe we're we're blessed with just loads of time and we can spend hours in prayer and meditation each morning and we just have a kind of hotline to god for some of us maybe it's not quite that easy For some of us, maybe, we veer between one and the other. We have seasons where listening to Jesus is just the easiest thing in the world, and other times where it just feels hard. And if you're in that boat this morning, if you're someone who is kind of maybe struggling to to lock down regular time to just listen, for any number of reasons, work, family, health, whatever, can I encourage you with the example of Simon? He hadn't set aside his time to go and listen to Jesus. He was at work. He wasn't part of that crowd who set aside the morning. He had gone to work. And what he's doing here is, I think, as close as you can get in 30 AD to listen to a podcast in the office. Right? He's at work, doing the job that he's going to do. Meanwhile, he's listening to Jesus. While he is doing what he's doing, he is ready to respond. While he is doing the stuff that he has to do, that's his job. There's no getting away from it. He has to do it. But while he's doing it, he is listening and he is ready to respond to the prompting of God. And, uh, and I'm not going to pretend this morning that, that there's a kind of a, a good substitute for quality time in prayer with God. Quality time in prayer with God. Quality quiet time. If we want to deepen our walks with him, that is the ideal. That's where we kind of need to be aiming for. But There are seasons where that is hard for for all sorts of reasons. There's no condemnation, there's no judgment. God is God regardless of who we are. And he can speak to us just as easily when we're at work as when we're in church. He can call us just as easily and he can prompt us just as easily if we are listening and we're ready to respond. For me, sometimes, um, the, you know, the part I day and I think Jack said this before as well, uh, the car journey to work for me is where I kind of process stuff. And, and that journey to work is where I get my heart right with Jesus. And, and sometimes I listen to worship music. Sometimes I listen to a, a podcast and kind of study a little bit. Sometimes I just feel prompted to kind of sit in silence and just listen. As I'm driving and, you know, I've got half an eye on the traffic, that's okay. But listening. And I'm, I'm, not kind of, I'm not pretending that every, every journey to work is like a 25-minute spirit-filled extravaganza and I get out of the car and float into school and, and, you know, it's amazing. But it's the one moment in the day that I can guarantee I will be on my own. There's no other part of the day I can say that, but in the car, I'm on my own. And so that's the space where I just want to leave it. I don't want anything else to fill that space. I want to leave that space to hear from God. And that's, you know, that's, that's valuable and that's good. And I encourage you to do something like that. But there's a difference there's a difference between fishing with Jesus and being with Jesus and then fishing. It's fishing with Jesus, and then there's being with Jesus and then fishing. And what Simon did, the model for Simon Peter, was fishing with Jesus. He didn't have his time with Jesus, and then Jesus got out of the boat and off he went. He took Jesus with him. Time with Jesus in the morning is great. Time with Jesus at any time is great. That quality kind of quiet time is brilliant. But if we're going to go fishing with Jesus, if we're going to carry Jesus into our lives, if we're going to be able to respond and listen to him, we need to practice being in the presence of God. We need to practice his presence at all times during the day. And that is a, that is a skill, and it's hard. There was a, um, a 17th century French monk, a guy called Brother Lawrence, who wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God, which is um, very short. It's a great read. Um, and he says this. He says, I worshipped him as often as I could, keeping my mind in his holy presence. Whenever I found that my mind had wandered, I brought it back to him. I found this very difficult, and yet I continued in the practice without feeling guilty when my mind wandered involuntarily. I made this my constant exercise all day long, at all times, every minute of every hour, even at the busiest time of my work. I drove from my mind everything that was capable of interrupting my thought of God. And that's kind of the the gold standard. I mean, he, was, he was an amazing man, and he um, lived a life that kind of represented this, this time spent in the presence of God. But I'm well aware also that he lived and worked in a monastery and was kind of quite well-equipped for that sort of lifestyle. It was maybe he was better placed than the rest of us. But nevertheless, the practice is the same. The principle is the same. If we are going to experience life in the presence of God, we need to practice habitually, constantly refocusing ourselves on his presence. In our busiest moments, he's there. So when we find that our minds wander, we've gone a few hours and we've kind of drifted off or, 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 or kind of forgotten a little bit about what he might be saying, we just need to, without condemnation, without guilt, just refocus. Find those moments through the day to refocus. God, where are you? What are you saying? What are you saying through this situation? How should I have responded to that moment? Have I gone wrong somewhere? Correct me, put me right. Without feeling guilt, we just refocus on Jesus and we carry on. But to think back to to, to Simon Peter in this story, there's another important thing here. Jesus doesn't ask for anything. He doesn't ask Simon Peter for anything that he doesn't have. He asked for it maybe at a slightly inconvenient moment, but he doesn't ask for anything that he doesn't already have. And Jesus asks us to serve him with what we have. We don't need to um, summon like, loads of extra resources. We don't have to wait until we've got new, shiny stuff. We've been given what we need to be available to serve God. And we might well, and maybe we do have plans and desires for the future, things that we'd like to see, ways that we would like to serve God, ideas that we've got for how we can kind of do things better in the future, um, or you know, circumstances that we'd like to see to allow us to serve God better. But God asks for what we have right now. And again, as much as it might have been tempting for Simon just to fob Jesus off completely, he might also have have kind of come up with different excuses. My boat's a bit shabby, Jesus. You deserve a a better boat. Let me save up. Let me get a good boat for you and then get in that. I'll get one with a loudspeaker. It'll be easier. And sometimes we kind of do that in in our relationships with God. We might have an idea of what God's asking us to do, an idea of how God's asking us to serve him, but it feels to us like the time isn't quite right. I would give that money, but actually it's not the right moment in the month, so I'll wait till next month and then I'll give a bit more. I'll wait till I've had that pay rise and then I'll I'll give more. When the kids are older, I'll be able to give more time to like Love Preston or or Bounce and Rhyme or Freedom Kids or whatever. When I've got more, when I've got bigger, when I've got better, when I've just advanced that a little bit further, then I will start to serve. Then I will be able to step into the thing that God has got for me. And I think God is not interested In waiting until we're a finished article, God is not interested in waiting until we're finished before we're useful to Him. God wants apprentices, not consultants. He's not interested in us kind of swanning into a situation with exactly the right skills and resources to handle whatever is thrown our way. Following Jesus is about bringing what we have, and it will be imperfect. It will be inconvenient. We might feel unprepared, but we bring what we have and we allow God to use it for his purposes. And I'm sure you don't need me to tell you the Bible is just rammed full of examples of people who have brought their imperfect selves before God and were prepared just to serve him with what they had, even if it wasn't what they thought they needed to get the job done. Look at Abraham, look at Moses, look at David the loaves and fishes kid, Simon and his empty nets, all of them prepared just to bring what they had, even if, from an earthly viewpoint, it wasn't enough, even if it wasn't what they needed. They brought what they had, and they let God do the rest. We've sung this morning, all I am is yours. And Tom um, added in, in a kind of throwaway moment, it's not a lot, it's not a lot, it's not much, but all we are is yours, and God is not asking for any more than we have. He's not expecting us to give him anything that he hasn't provided us already in order to give back. And maybe this morning, maybe, you feel like you've been putting something off. Maybe you've been kind of waiting for later, to get stuck in somewhere that you think God might be leading you. Maybe we've just kind of taken our foot off the gas while we wait for a season to pass. Maybe, maybe you're feeling like you'd love to do something. There's something that you'd love to, to get stuck into. You'd love to serve. You feel like maybe God's calling you into something, but you just don't feel like you're good enough. You just don't feel like what you have to offer is enough. You don't feel prepared, you don't feel ready, you don't feel equipped. But God is asking us to serve with what we have. And so often, what we have is more than we think. But our job is not to make excuses. Our job is not to delay, to postpone. Our job is just to be available. Just to make ourselves available, to bring what we have before God and let Him do the rest. So that was my takeaway from verse 3, just to be available, be available to God, to be available to His prompting. If we read on two verses, verse four, verse five, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and I haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And again, if you're a a note-taking person, you want a subheading here, be obedient, be obedient in the simple things. My favorite thing about this, um, this this pair of verses, the the first thing that jumped out at me when I read this passage, is this advice is the simplest advice in the world. I can imagine Simon, Peter, and his mates have been up all night, working their little socks off to try and catch something. You know, I've been been fishing three times in my life. It's miserable. I hate it. I'm hoping my father-in-law doesn't watch this back. He knows. It's fine. Um, But I've been fishing three times in my life, and one of those doesn't count because I was curled up in the bottom of a boat, wishing I was dead. Um, but the other two times, I caught nothing. Like, I'm horrible at it. I don't know what we have to do, but I know that frustration of seeing the fish in the water there. You can see them mocking you, and, you know, I, I appreciate... I was fishing with a rod, not a big net, but, you know, they're kind of casting it out and wriggling around, jerking it a little bit, and, like, trying to... You know, I'll put a different worm on there, I'll do something. And that kind of... Hours and hours of your life spent trying to, like, persuade these fish to whatever they do so that you can have a look at it and throw it back. I don't get it. But it's... <laughs> he's not going to watch it. It's fine. But, um, but I get that frustration. I get that frustration. And I imagine, I imagine that Simon Peter was much the same. This was his job. This is his income. And he's been out all night, and he's caught Nothing. That's nothing to sell. That's no money coming in. That's nothing. And as the night grew on, I like to imagine, I'm speculating, but I like to imagine that he kind of got more and more frustrated and worked harder and was like moving his boat to a different part of the lake and kind of cast my net differently and and just all the while getting impatient and frustrated. And I imagine him coming back to shore pretty angry. And along comes Jesus to dispense his divine fishing wisdom. Put out into deep water let down the nets. Like, of course. It's simple. It's simple advice. And sometimes when things aren't going our way, we overcomplicate. We abandon the simple stuff in favor of the complex things in the hopes that if we just work hard enough, we can put things right. If If we do more at work, if we have like more charts and spreadsheets and things at home if we subscribe to like the plan and the app and the scheme and whatever we can get all these things it's going to make us better and we can wrestle control of our situation and we can add this stuff that is going to sort us out and we overcomplicate. and without doing down any of that stuff there are some wonderful very helpful apps and plans and schemes and all sorts none of that's bad in itself but without obedience to jesus in the simple things it's a waste of time one commentary on, on this verse says, when Jesus directs our work, it makes all the difference. We can work, even work hard for a long time with no results. But when Jesus directs our work, we see results. And maybe, maybe this morning, you have been working hard for a long time with no results. In, in Connect Groups this week, we were looking at unanswered prayer. And that's a, that's a really tough thing to deal with. It's a tough thing to discuss. And maybe you've been praying hard for a long time with no results. And maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're frustrated. And I haven't got an easy answer to any of that stuff. I'm not promising you that we're going to walk from here this morning and all of that stuff's going to be fixed. But what I can say is this. Maybe this morning, Jesus is just inviting us. Jesus is asking us just to come back to the simple things. Where maybe we've overcomplicated stuff, maybe we've, we've taken on things we didn't need to, just to stop and take a breath and to get back to basics. And we might think we know better, we might have all those, yeah, but, yeah, but you don't understand, yeah, but this, yeah, but that, we might think we know better. I'm sure Simon Peter thought he knew better, he said as much, we've been fishing all night and not caught anything, but because you say so, we'll let down the nets." In spite of all his expertise, in spite of all his opposition, just because Jesus said so and he trusted him, he let down his nets. He was obedient in the simple things. And he was rewarded. He was obedient in the simple things, and Jesus came through. And that kind of leads us nicely on to our third point. Be humble. Simon was humble enough to be obedient to Jesus. Even when it went against his own expertise, even when it went against kind of what he had experienced and thought he knew, he was humble enough just to submit and be obedient. And he was humble enough to ask for help in dealing with what happened next. When, he, you know, when, when all that success came and all the fish came, he was kind of humble enough to think, well, yeah, we can share this. There's enough of us. Let's share this success. And he, he needed the help of those around him. and He wasn't too big to ask for it. He was humble enough after that to acknowledge that none of it was his doing at all. If we look ahead to verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. We will absolutely have moments in our lives where, like Simon Peter, nothing seems like it's going our way. We will have those fruitless nights of fishing. Maybe you're experiencing that now. Maybe you've experienced it recently. It's coming for you if you haven't. Something to look forward to. But we will also, we will also have moments. We might well also have moments where things seem like they are going our way. Where things are going well, where we are experiencing success, we are experiencing blessing. And just to be absolutely clear here, if you're a Christian, you are blessed. If you're a Christian, God will give you good things. That is a promise, that's in the Bible, we can have confidence in that this morning. But God only gives things that he knows are good. God gives us good gifts according to what God has decided is good. We sometimes ask him for things that we think are good, and we forget about what he thinks is good. And I think what most Christians kind of hope for on this Venn diagram of what we think is good and what God thinks is good, what we're all kind of hoping for is is we'll... We'll meet somewhere in the middle. There'll be like an overlapping section where what God thinks is good is what we think is good and we get to enjoy that blessing for what it is. And it's a lovely feeling when that happens. That is the massive catch of fish. That's the, you know, the dream job, the, the wife, the husband, whatever. Like, that's, the, that's the bit where what God knows is good for us, we think is good for us, and that feels like success. That's brilliant. But it can be really easy when that happens and we have some success, however that comes. When we have that, it can be easy to get comfortable. It can be easy to kind of lean towards arrogance rather than humility and to feel like we deserve it, to feel like we've earned it through our own hard work, through our own effort. We have achieved this great prosperity. But when Jesus shows up, when Simon Peter has this mad fishing success and all these fish come in and it sinks his boat, he doesn't feel smug about his own fishing brilliance. He doesn't say, well, yep, I knew I had it in me. I knew I had it in me. I put the net out. I got the fish in. He doesn't feel good about himself. He doesn't insist that it's no less than he deserves. He's worked hard for this, and and this is exactly what I deserve after that night's hard work. He doesn't demand to know how come Jesus, who's been fishing for all of five minutes, seems to know more than him about his job. He doesn't respond with resentment. He recognizes that what's happened is brilliant. He recognizes that what's happened is good. He celebrates it, but he acknowledges that he has neither earned it nor deserved it. God's goodness, God's abundant blessing, God's goodness to him leads him to humbly recognize his own position before God. And and we want to and we can enjoy boldness and freedom in Christ. But we must also not lose sight of how we have access to that. That in our own strength, in our own right, we are undeserving, and we are unworthy of God's grace, but he freely and abundantly gives it anyway out of love. Not because we've earned anything, not because we've worked hard, not because we're really good, not because of any expertise or proficiency or practice, but just because of God's love for us. He pours out his grace. He pours out his blessings on us. And so maybe on that third point this morning, maybe as we reflect this morning. Maybe you're in that boat of actually life's been good. And maybe this morning Jesus is just prompting us not to get comfortable. Not to get sort of arrogant about it. But to be humble. To acknowledge that if life is good, it's because Jesus has made it good. If life is good, that's because God has abundantly poured out blessings on us that we haven't earned. And just to go back to God and celebrate that with him, to thank him for that, to acknowledge his role in that. If we want to partner with Jesus in our work, if we want to respond to this call and to be fishers of people, if we want to be used for his kingdom and for his glory, then we must be available. We must make ourselves available. We must be obedient and we must be humble. And maybe as we come to close, maybe you've been struggling with one of those things. Maybe you've been struggling to make yourself available to God. Maybe in this, you know, what has been, fair enough, a bit of a crazy year, maybe you feel like you're too busy or too inadequate or too unprepared, like you're not ready or like you're not enough. Maybe you're frustrated Maybe you're frustrated because there's no movement, there's a lack of action. Maybe you've been, you know, you've been looking for something in your life that hasn't been coming, and you've been trying to force it and trying to overcomplicate things. And maybe God is inviting you back into simplicity this morning, inviting you to strip away the excess and just get back to basics. Or maybe, maybe this morning, we just need to humble ourselves before Jesus. Maybe, as I said a minute ago, maybe we've been richly and abundantly blessed, but we've got comfortable. We felt like we deserved it or we've earned it, and maybe this morning we just need to take that back to Jesus, to reflect on the cross, to reflect on God's gifts to us and acknowledge where they came from. I'm going to invite Tom back up. I just want to take a minute this morning just to reflect on those things, just to spend a minute just privately with God. Are you making yourself available to him? Have you overcomplicated? Have you got comfortable? And let's just spend a minute before we, before we sing, before we worship, let's just spend a minute doing that business with Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you invite us To partner with you. To be part of a ministry with you. To expand your kingdom. To bring glory to your name. And Lord Jesus, as a a church, we want to be disciples. We want to follow your example. We want to live in your ways. We want to be available to hear from you, to respond to your prompting. We want to be obedient to your word. And we want to have humility. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak. Father, that even now you would just be prompting. That for some people in this room, you'll be saying, now is the time. I'm calling you now. Never mind that you don't feel ready. Never mind that you don't feel equipped. Never mind that you're worried about this or that or the other, or you don't feel good enough. This is the moment. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. that we don't need to add. We don't need to overcomplicate. We just need to look to you. To put you first. And Father, we're sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, where I've been too comfortable. Where I haven't acknowledged the source of uh, my blessings, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your outrageous grace your outrageous generosity for the abundant ways that we are blessed. Lord Jesus, let that turn us back to you. Let your undeserved grace bring us nearer to you, nearer to the cross, nearer to the reality of who you are and who that makes us. pray that, that through these things you would equip us to be your disciples, that you would equip us to follow you, that you would equip us to fish for people. Lord, that, you know, at home with our kids, at work, at wherever we are, Lord, that we would be disciples, that we would be witnesses for you in your kingdom, that we would be bringing people into your kingdom, Father, that you'll be prompting us, that you'll be leading us, that you would be guiding us. so that we can live in radical submission to your will. In your name, Jesus. Amen. For more information about our church, or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.